The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Played against my dad. First, your first NBA game ever. Really, Sacramento. You feel old, don't you? <laughs> that's Jabari, that's an old one. That's Jabari Smith Jr. of the Rockets going up to LeBron. Yeah, dude, you play with my dad. First game ever, Sacramento. We remember Jabari Smith for sure. Great years, year. Years with Jabari Smith. Do you know, do you remember like the iconic Jabari Smith moment? Didn't he have like some crazy dunk? That's not what I'm remembering. Oh, no. So I could be blending and maybe the Tech Thunder YouTubers will will correct me, but I know it was the playoffs for sure. Mm-hmm. They were playing Minnesota. It was at Arco. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the game in which Peeler... And I could now I could be blending things, but I, I'm Blind thinking about it. the Peeler and Garnett fight, like where they were. They actually, you know, Peeler was his former teammate, but uppercut him, and their fans were throwing glow sticks. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was a situation where Minnesota got a technical, or maybe those two guys got the technicals, and maybe Peeler was fouled, and Flip Saunders could pick someone from the Kings to shoot free throws, and it's a huge moment. He bring, and Jabari Smith wasn't going to play in the series, right? And he calls Jabari Smith, and he comes out and nails him, nails him, nails him. And just the place went nuts. That was iconic. Yeah. No crumble cookies for anyone. No, he made them. In a good way. Well, you know, his son's in the league. Look at that. Yeah. Circle of life. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, let's go with some Niner audio from uh, Super Bowl. want to remind you, Jiffy Lou bringing you all of our Super Bowl coverage. We've got Emil. We've got Styles and Watkins leaving today. Emil's already down there. Uh, Nate's going to join him, Jay Johnson. We got a whole crew down there, and uh, we got Ryan Leaf joining us at 927. Also, quick programming note on the heels of not only uh, the Super Bowl being down there, uh, but also uh, the comments that the Las Vegas mayor made today about the A's and how they should just stay in Oakland and chase their dream there at Howard Terminal. Uh, Steve Cofield, who hosts a uh, afternoon show for uh, ESPN Las Vegas, a longtime friend. He's going to join us because let's just ask him. Like, yeah. what, what's the. This could be really developing here. What is the sense on the ground yeah. there, guy? What, yeah. are your, what are your listeners telling you? It'd be interesting to get the from the, the mouth from the horse's foot. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Uh, also, Brock Purdy. Uh, earlier, we played a clip where he can't name the eight quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. But here's why he chose Ohio, uh, Iowa State. Coach Campbell at Iowa State, he had a vision playing in the Big 12 to, you know, change his program and make make a name for itself um and I, all i wanted to do was play power five football d1 and, and give myself a shot to to fulfill my dreams of playing college football power five um so i took a i took a chance with campbell i loved his vision and he believed in me and and i wanted to go do something for the first time somewhere mm-hmm. you know who else believes in brock purdy who's that christian mccaffrey i think people forget you know he didn't throw a football till training camp this last year he was rehabbing his elbow and uh, a year later, to be in, you know the starting quarterback on a Super Bowl team and an MVP is 
pretty unbelievable. I'm just lucky I get to share the locker room with him, to share the huddle with him. I think we all feel the same way, what he brings as a player, but also what he brings as a teammate. Wow. Okay. That's heavy praise. Yeah. You know who else believes in Brock Purdy? Who else? Debo? Debo. Debo. Bartholomew. Mm. Samuel. I think Brock has took advantage of every opportunity he had. And, you know, the sky's the limit for him. He's going to continue to get better. We're going to continue to get better around him. And, man, hopefully he'll be one of the greats. His first game coming in, he had zero reps with the starters, man. And the way he came in that game and seeing him from then to now, it's just like he's just continued to get better and better week in and week out. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, we'll stick with Debo here. Uh, that loss in the Super Bowl, yeah, he was on that team. That's a big motivator for him. I mean, it's been driving me ever since. Um, you know, making the Super Bowl my rookie year, I just think it's just going to keep happening and keep happening. But in reality, it's not how it's not how it works. So, you do everything possible to get in these moments and just take advantage of them. I mean, I didn't watch the Super Bowl for like a year and a half after I lost in that line. Wow. Okay. Okay. They're yeah. ready. They should be. Uh, George Kittle got two clips from him. <laughs> One is what he thinks the Bears should do with their pick. It was just so random I had to play it. I think what the Bears should do is, personally, I think they should trade back as many picks as they can and build around a guy that they've been trying to build around, give the guy some actual options. I mean, he has options, but just help him out as much as you possibly can, but build him up as big as you can and trust the kid. I know we're a long ways away, but we're actually not that long in the big scheme of things. If he wants to, how good is George Kittle going to be in the booth? He'd be great. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be really. He's, good. he's a good, he's a lively personality. That's it, it, for sure. Yeah, if that's where he wants to yeah. go, he might also go uh, into the world of wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's dabbled in there, and uh, he dabbled in the world of wrestling a little bit last night. We're starting off hot, and I love it. That is the question I've been wanting to. Ooh. So it's fun. You see everything online, and everyone's talking about we want Cody or it's Roman and the Rock. You know what? I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. I like Roman Reigns, The Rock, a. He coined the term the people's tight end, so I'm indebted to The Rock. Huge fan of him. Honestly, my dream would be like uh, kind of a setup. Roman shows up. I saw this online. Roman shows up, signs a contract. Cody's on the other side. The Rock referees. Wouldn't that be fun and special? Let's that's, that's that's make it fun and interesting. That was not my own idea, but I thought it was really cool. <laughs> this is a big controversy. You need a translation? <laughs> so hold, on. hold on. Hold on. This is a big controversy because... Everyone, let's see, let's see how close I can get, Jason. Everybody wants to see, uh, you know, everybody wants to see uh, Cody Rhodes uh, face off with uh, with Roman Reigns, right? And so, uh, at, at this recent event, uh, Cody Rhodes was was in uh, in the in in the ring, and and he was talking to uh, to, to 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 Roman Reigns, right? And he was like, you know, and they were going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, if you smell, well, the rock is good. And then everyone freaks out. And then the rock comes out. And now everybody's worried that it's going to be the rock and Roman Reigns. But nobody wants the rock and Roman Reigns. They want Cody Rhodes because he's earned it. And they want Cody Rhodes versus uh, Roman Reigns. And so now there's a thing. Got about 60% of that right. <laughs> what did I get wrong? Uh, Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble, giving him an option to wrestle whoever he wants at WrestleMania. And then he said that he gave up his spot against Roman Reigns for somebody else, and that's when The Rock came out. Oh. So you what, got most of it right. So uh, he, he said he gave up his spot? Yeah. 
well, if he gave up his spot, what's the deal? Because people are mad that that's what the WWE is making him do. Yeah. They feel like this is a cover for all of the Vince McMahon terrible oh, news that terrible has come news. out. Terrible news. Well, covering it by what? Trying to throw The Rock in by there? By putting The Rock in there, who, like, everybody outside of wrestling already knows who The Rock is. They're like, oh, look at this. But everyone that's been watching wrestling. I'm trying to think of what the comparison would be. It would be, what's your favorite show? Uh, West Wing. West Wing. It would be that, like, there's a big presidential election in the West Wing, and they have it all set up for Bartlett to win. Right. And then it's back and forth with him and the Republican, and then some independents just like, hey, I got a really good chance. And they're like, hey, he's winning all the states right now. Wouldn't you be like, wait, what? That's what are not, you talking yeah, about? Yeah, that wouldn't work for me at all. But everybody loves The Rock, right? Yeah. So. Just not in the situation. Well, then, they, like, if you go. Uh, if you go, if you go back to last year, everyone thought Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. Uh-huh. He wrestled Roman Reigns. Yep. Everyone thought he was going to beat Roman Reigns. Yeah. And then he lost. Oh. So one of those things is like, okay, well, they're obviously setting it up for for this for this. And then they pull, and now they're trying to pull this this these hijinks. Here's what it sounded like. I want that title. I want everything, and I am coming for it. I am coming for you, Roman Reigns. Questionable. But not at WrestleMania. Oh, what? I mentioned taking counsel. Roman, one of the individuals I talked to, he knows you very well. Uh oh. Who is it? Who is it? Was that the edit? Yeah. Why? <laughs> because Cody Rhodes looks very, very sad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they cut out every moment of him looking very sad. Well, that sucks. Because honestly, here's my exposure to wrestling over the last five years, truly, other than like viral stuff that'll just come across my timeline. I just like seeing when The Rock comes in. Yeah, it's just the place goes nuts. I, I'll go down YouTube rabbit that. holes for yeah. the pot. Like, I just like that part. Yeah. I just want to see the if you smell part and then everybody freaks out. Yeah, I like that. That gives me goosebumps, okay. but then I don't watch anything Could else. you imagine that feeling for The Rock? I saw a video. He literally put his arm out to show the goosebumps. Right? Like, I saw this video a couple weeks ago that was going around of, uh, of, uh, remember Psy, Gangnam Style? Yeah. And where he gets shot shot up, and it's like 100 billion people lose lose their their ass. Right, exactly. And I was like, that, 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 I don't know what you do. Yeah. How are you not? fired up from that it's a it, it is a it has to be a palpable sensation having an entire tens of thousands of people all focusing their energy on yeah. you like they say like how could you feel stares mm-hmm. no dude you can you whether it's real or not remember when i carried uh favors this is a much stupider example remember when i carried favors belt mm-hmm. so i'm the dummy behind him right but when when he came out, I was like, California love. And then he walks out and all of Arco, you literally, I don't know how to describe it. You could feel the stare 
coming down on him, and maybe it's also a, a sound thing too, yeah. where like it's all everyone's looking at him and screaming, and I'm walking behind the guy, and I'm like, this I couldn't. And then you have to fight somebody. Mm-hmm. Like same thing with the Rock. Incredible. Like he comes out to all that, and then you have to wrestle. Yeah. Or Sai has the like after all of that. Yeah. When we come back, it. we have more sound from the Super Bowl. We're going to talk to Steve Cofield uh, from ESPN Las Vegas. We're going to get you know a couple Super Bowl questions. Of course, they're hosting it. But then, what's going on with the mayor, Mayor Goodman, saying the A should go back to Oakland and. How do they feel on the ground there uh, as well? It's just a one-minute break. We're back with Cofield next. They bleed black and purple. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. On your local sports leader, Sattown Sports. Chasing Steve Cofield down, which should not be necessary since I've been texting with him the last 10 minutes, but hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he didn't get hit by a bird. Let's hope not. Right? Yeah. What if he was going to the phone? And a bird hit him. And uh, Maybe a small one at least. Yeah, like, and just kind of put him like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Not big bird. Oh, God. Then it would be over. Well, while we're waiting on him, we got plenty of other stuff, including a uh, I've been waiting all day to play this one. Where are you? Oh, uh, oh, here's Steve Cofield texting me saying, oh, call now. Call now. Here's that. So that gives us time for Canaries Tony. Okay. If he's the number one wide receiver in the league. You're number one receiver in this league? Yeah, if I get it. Yeah, if I get the ball, yeah. <laughs> Even he laughed at it. <laughs> if you get the ball, you mean you I'm catch. I'm going to go no on that. Yeah, how about no? Yeah, if someone asked me, is he? No. He's not. I could darius you to say that again. Got him. Tony. I, Tony. Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Joining us right now. Yeah. Uh, old, old friend. Go back to the uh, back to the fighting days when MMA was just backroom brawling. And now he's uh, big time. Now, he's basically the media king of Las Vegas. That's what I have to call him. He uh, hosts a show on espn vegas and nice enough to stoop to our level uh steve cofield cofield it's dave it's jason good morning what's going on sorry about that i'm uh king of nothing but i uh, i screwed you guys over a little late sorry we were cutting an interview down here it's, it's crazy today radio row yeah so you're on radio row that was the first question by the way i thought we had a great segment last week when i came on uh and and now you're on radio row and uh how is that hosting uh the super bowl because you're basically hosting the super bowl Hmm. um uh, this whole thing is it's incredible and i don't mean to be a cheese ball but i've been here for 28 years now and uh when i first got here doing radio guys i mean we were just so on the the outside so banished from nfl purview we were the enemy and uh i am standing at our set for espn las vegas and i'm looking at nfl branded slot machines my mind is (laughs) blown Right. As soon as they had a chance to embrace gambling and make lots of money off of, they were like, you know what? This public stance that we uh, we don't want to be part of Vegas or sports gambling that is out the window. So slot machines. Yeah, I, I don't know, Steve. If like for us, it sounds like this is just a wild week in Vegas. But that's we could probably say that sentence a lot. So is it any different? Does this feel bigger than any other events there, or is it kind of on par with whenever they have uh, huge festivities going on in Vegas? Feels bigger. It feels bigger. I mean. 
keep in mind, uh, we just had F1 here, yep. which I didn't know a whole lot about and still don't. Um, they took over the city, and a lot of it was you know road work for like nine months. Um, but this is bigger. It's the NFL. Uh, F1 caters to a certain kind of crowd. You know, very very high level wine and cheese crowd. I mean, here we're going to get the you know the rich fans are going to be here, celebrities are going to be here, and then the average person. I mean, we we already get for Super Bowl weekend. We already get on average about three hundred thousand people who come into town each week. So I mean, it's going to be that and more. But now you've got all the events around town. There's the probably fifty plus parties at all different spots. And if you guys have covered the Super Bowl, the coolest thing here is everything is pretty close, right? Yep. I mean, we're the Las Vegas Strip. You know, up and down. It's probably four miles. Uh, you don't have to get in a car and you know drive 20 miles in this direction. There's not triple host city, so it's massive, and you, you can feel the vibe. We're set up here in Mandalay Bay, which is right across from the stadium, so it's a, it's a sweet setup. Steve Cofield joining us, ESPN Vegas. You know, great to talk to you about the Super Bowl. We could do that for the whole segment. Have to talk to you though about these latest comments from Mayor Goodman and the you know the the, the Goodman uh, between her, she and Oscar that goes way 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 back uh, in Vegas, and for her to tell front, uh, I think it was what, front row sports, uh, and, and I'm, I'm basically quoting here, which is always fun, uh, I think the A's should stay in Oakland and try to make their dream come true, the dream referring to the Howard Terminal. Cofield, you're on, look, 28 years, as you said, you've seen that city grow from the UFC to the hockey to the Aces to the Raiders, and now you're on the cusp of Major League Baseball, we we get everything filtered up here in Northern California where it's obviously a hot topic, but as a host, as somebody with their, their finger on the pulse of the fans, are, are, are they excited? What What is the deal down there? All right. Well, one, I am inside the sports bubble. So in our bubble, people are not that excited because they know what, they're buying into here. They've invested in Major League Baseball, but they've invested in the worst product that Major League Baseball has to offer. Yeah. I think the casual fan is excited at the concept of having a stadium on the strip, which is a good idea. Uh, excited that they get Major League Baseball. They can root for their favorite teams when they come into town and you know buy uh, two and three game packages. So I think there's a level of excitement, but it, I think once they get here, it's going to be unlike any other team that's gotten here. First of all, the Raiders in the NFL – foolproof you're always going to get that sold out because opposing fans will come in and if the Raiders are ever good uh, then there's going to be a giant Raider contingent there the Golden Knights are like the standard for expansion franchises and they came here and they won from the get-go and when they did win a cup they they kept you know investing and firing people and improving so they set the standard now you guys know the problem with the A's they're not committed to winning and I think that there'll be a honeymoon period here for about three years with the new stadium, with baseball, especially with older fans. If you don't win in Vegas, though, after three years, I'm telling you, it's going to be three years. After three years, if they don't win, locals are not going down to the Strip. I do not buy that, uh, you know, Royals fans and Rays fans and Twins fans are going to come here for three-game sets to a tune of 10,000 people, you know, for a weekday series. So, dudes, uh, it's a weird vibe. It's a very weird vibe because everything you've seen about the A's, is still going on with the secrecy, a lack of organization. We don't have a plan. They pick a site that's bizarro. It's only about 33 acres, and they've only got about 10 to build a stadium on. So they're off to a rough start. Now, this could all be great at the finish line. You know, and they, they, they told baseball uh, behind the scenes that they could have a payroll here of $170 million. All right, 
I mean, that's a big jump up from where they are. Huh. Uh, but I also, guys, this is also weird. Uh, the stadium won't be done here until 2028. So we're going to watch our Major League Baseball team play in Sacramento or Salt Lake. We get no tax revenue out of that. It's just the, the whole thing just seems like it's super rushed. And I, they've, been, they've been fighting Oakland for 20 years. Why is this rushed now? Yeah, and, and Steve, to me, it seems like there's so many potential ways this can fall apart. If you were to bet on this, I mean, you, do you see this coming to fruition? Do you think the A's will really get it done and, and happen in Las Vegas? Then you can bet because you're in Vegas. It's yes. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I'm 75% sure. So mm-hmm. a couple of the hitches. First of all, they've got to get money to cover the rest of the cost because we lent them $380 million, which eventually they got to pay back, but they got like 30 years to pay it back. Um, they are locked into that Tropicana site. So if there's any issue with that Tropicana site, if Valley's drops out, um, the bill and the 380 and then all the tax benefits are tied to the Trop site. If it's not the Trop site and they try to switch it, then the whole process starts again. And now people are more tuned in to the process because they did, they kind of did the same thing on the legislative level they did with the Raiders where they, they rushed it through in about 10 days and people are like, what the hell just happened? We don't have all the details. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. They, I'll give you a good example. Um, they picked the site at the Wild Wild West, which is just off the strip on Tropicana, um, just to the west. It's a beautiful piece of property. I think they had like 55 acres, another 55 they could have purchased. They went into an agreement temporarily with uh, Station Casinos. Dave, you know about stations, yep, the Fertitas, and you know former yep. ownership of UFC, and yep. they're the you know one of the kings of local Las Vegas casinos. Well, they're an anti-union shop. The culinary union came in, and behind the scenes, they're like, "No, you're not partnering with Station Casinos," and it ended. So there's politics in town. Um, if something happened, like I said, with Bally's and that Trop property, I don't know. I actually, I do think they're starting to fish around. I don't know if you guys. I'm not going to rip on Sacramento. It's actually a bigger market, but I don't know if you guys want Major League Baseball. If Major League Baseball wants to be there, I think Salt Lake is a real threat, and uh, they they could be the city that beats you guys out for the 25 to 20, uh, 27 hosting. Um, I I think that's that's the X factor in this thing now. If Major League Baseball sees some problems in Vegas, they might just be like, hey, you might want to go to Salt Lake. We were going to expand there anyway. Well, that's the thing. I think it's it's a different question. I. I I, for one, came out against the A's coming here just because with everything. Oh, I, that, oh, I saw it. That was brilliant. I mean, what a great take. Honestly, like with what happened with the Kings, can't yep. do it. Now, if the A's were leaving for sure and Sacramento had a chance to permanently have the A's, I think that's a different conversation. But but let's close here. Uh, you tell me. If, 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 if you're polling your audience, and I know you're in the bubble, but still, that's who we're talking about, and they had yeah. a choice between – having the A's and John Fisher come or waiting four years and getting expansion and a different owner, I, I, I'm guessing they'd go expansion, right? I think it'd be 90%. Yep. Yeah, because it, because even if they don't know what that means, they know the Golden Knights were an expansion team. So, you know, building a team here and not bringing one in from another market with all the warts and bad ownership, I think it would be 90%. We, that's, that was what we said the whole time on, on our shows. Like, the, 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 some of the reps of the A's, uh, some of the extended runs of the A's are like, oh, this, this is it. This is your chance or else. And we're like, what are you talking about? This is the hottest market in the country. Yeah. Uh, the NBA is coming here eventually. We, this is going to sound crazy, we can now be picky. We don't have to take yeah. a team on Major League Baseball's timeline. Well, look, that's why you're the best in the business. He'll say show three to six on ESPN Vegas with uh, Adam Hill, who hates me on Twitter. 
uh, also uh, <laughs> kind enough to uh, join us live from Radio Row. Uh, we'll be talking, I'm sure, about this again, brother. But uh, as always, appreciate your time, especially on short notice. Thank you. Yeah, for our service late. See you guys. That's Thank all right. You. That's uh, Steve Cofield, ESPN Vegas. It's interesting, Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll take a break when we come back. Ryan Leaf, uh, a former NFL quarterback, ESPN analyst. He'll join us next. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. All right, we're back. Thanks to Cofield out there in uh, ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now, I'm uh, I'm, I'm legit excited for this. Um, I'd be excited to, you know, we had Sean Salisbury on earlier. And to be able to talk to somebody about the Super Bowl who actually was under center in the National Football League, that's exciting. Uh, I'm also excited. I was talking to my wife about this interview last night. She goes, you're talking to Ryan Leaf. Are you going to bring up, like, the problems and stuff? And I'm like, you know, look, I've never talked to Ryan in my life, but I've watched this guy go from where he got picked in the draft to what he went through to being called a bust by everybody and their mother and weaponizing it in the best way possible where people that have gone through things uh, can look to him and his rise in sports media yeah. and use that as a weapon themselves. So I, I've never spoken to you, Ryan, but I'm just going to bet you don't get tired of people bringing up what you've been through because I think it underlines where you are right now. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, I you know I don't mind being asked the questions. I mean, I think it's important to to be open and transparent. I think that's where one of my biggest problems was. I wasn't. I thought it was you know, weakness to be vulnerable and transparent. And it turns out it's maybe one of the biggest strengths that I've ever learned to develop. Um, So no, I don't mind being asked questions to talk about it. Uh, What I do mind is is being talked down to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what usually where I, where I clap back, whether that's on social media or with other people who, uh, who are like that. Um, And it it tends to mostly be projectionary, right? They're projecting how they're feeling, uh, and, and onto you, you know, I think for the most part, a lot of people are pissed because, uh, you know, I, I seem to have everything to, to lose it and to then, you know, go to this dumpster fire of a place and then come back and, and, and get the life of my dreams. I think it's just, I think people are a little pissed about that too. And so they tend to project when, uh, when they want to talk about it, they, they think that what has happened in your past is your legacy or, or your identity. And it, and it, and it isn't, it's what you are now and what you do uh, moving forward is what, what makes you who you are. And so uh, that's got, got to give you a lot of hope knowing that. Yeah. I can't imagine Ryan that challenge for you on that level of when you're talking about social media, I think anybody to whatever degree, if they have a hundred followers, get some sort of clap back for you. That's been famous. That has a name that's still in the limelight. How do you handle that when it's, when that's coming your way? Well, I think my wife would rather me not engage, <laughs> but um, I feel like it's good practice. I tell every my brother's a comedian. My brother, my middle brother's a comedian. He's a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. He's, you know, he he seemingly feels like, and I think most people think he's the funniest Leaf brother in the family. But I'm telling you, I'm the I'm the funniest <laughs> Leaf brother in the family, and uh, I, I'm pretty witty. I'm pretty witty with those things, you know. I uh, um, also it's like the the B Rabbit thing from Eight Mile, like. Like I, I own everything. So you, you don't yeah. have any ammunition. So if you think you're going to come at me with a, with the, you know, Hey, why am I talking to this, this, this junkie felon? And I'm like, Hey, 
it's junkie seven time convicted <laughs> okay um it's just, they just they don't know how to accept it because people are usually not that forthcoming to throw everything out on their sleeve. Once you once you like who you see in the mirror, I don't care where you're at in life. Once you like the guy you see in the mirror, you're, you're OK with all the scars and everything and what everybody knows. And my story is very public. So mm-hmm. one of my mentors told me and I thought this was very meaningful. He said it's as loud and as out there and as public as your your downfall was, your recovery has to be just as loud, if not louder, uh, to be hope and, and be that lighthouse for, for people who still struggle. And he was exactly right. Well, last thing on that is Ryan Leaf joins us and we're going to talk football because he's a hell of an analyst as well. You know, three of our closest friends here are Sean Salisbury, who had uh, a very public run-in with ESPN, uh, Rex Chapman, who uh, had the opioid issue and, and and the criminal issue and Ron Artest, and we all know what would happen with them. That's three examples right there. And I would I would put you in there, Ryan, of people that were at or near the top, different levels, uh, ran into something uh, and and were able didn't quit, uh, didn't uh, didn't. I mean, I don't know if you sulked or you know felt sorry for yourself. I'm sure you did. That's natural, but were able to gather the strength to come back and and, and just to put a bow on the whole thing since it's the first time we talked. Um, I'm not trying to take away from people that have had air quote perfect lives and present themselves that way. Um, But I think there is something and I'm betting you felt this quite a bit with the community, with the people you're around that they can identify with that. It's tough to identify with somebody who can throw a ball uh, 80 yards and who can run a a four, two forty. But to identify with these folks that have uh, been down in the dumps and who have managed to recover and beyond create this life for yourself that's fantastic people identify with that and people love that quite frankly ryan yeah i I tell the story when i'm speaking all the time like i walk into a room and if tom brady's in the room you know you know probably out of everybody in the room i'm probably as close to a peer to him as anybody i played in the nfl we played against each other in the rose bowl in fact he couldn't even get on the field that day when we (laughs) when we played michigan um and um i still look at him like you know that's that that dude's perfect you know, and I look around the room at everybody else and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm this flawed human being, just like everybody else in here and uh, just trying to be better every day. And that's why I think it's more relatable. Like I look at him and they look at me and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a screw up. Yeah, I mean, I'm a screw up, too. Let's uh, we, we know how to commiserate around around that aspect of things. But uh, it's hard to when you when you place these guys on pedestals and they become something larger than life, um, knowing that they're real people and uh um, and, it, and it's, it's, it's weird to see if, if you want a good, I think, social experiment, Netflix just put out this great, uh, documentary on the, the night that all the pop stars got together. Yes. And we are the world. We are the world. Yes. And I think what you find out in that moment of the most famous and, uh, interesting people on the planet, when it came to, to celebrities entertainment, like having that documented throughout a whole night, you found out who like was really egocentric and who was just were normal people. And it wouldn't be my wife and I walked away and, uh, and uh, like Diana Ross at the end, I'm like the whole brand of Diana Ross was that she was this diva her whole life. Right. And like, she was the most down to earth human being when it was all said and done. And, and you, you just forget that when you're shown something and told something by so many people all the time. So, yeah, I think that um, what I went through was no different than anybody else has gone through. Mine was just very public. That's all. Everybody knew about it. Everybody knew when I got in trouble and it probably saved my life because most people who go through what I went through do it in the shadows and in the darkness and they're never seen or heard from again. And I was forced to, uh, I was forced to, uh, you know, uh, 
address it and uh, and make a change or or continue down that path where I would disappear too. So really grateful human being you got in front of you right now. Amen. Uh, incredible perspective, Amen. really, from Ryan Leaf here. Uh, former QB, you're still an analyst as well. We, Dave and I love to talk about QBs. We love to talk about Brock Purdy. And, you know, there's labels on him, right or wrong. But I, I'd be curious, Ryan, what you see when you watch Brock Purdy play the quarterback position. I don't, I don't get the skeptics. I, I don't understand it. I know how hard God it bless is you. To, to play that position. Um, I think he's incredible. Um, and, and I'm done arguing with people about it. I just, you're not going to convince them. So that's, I think that's the first thing is there an acceptance to it that you're not going to convince somebody that Brock Purdy is not an elite quarterback in this league because of where he was drafted. And that means people didn't scout him the right way, uh, apparently. And no one's going to admit the fact that they didn't grade him the right way. Uh, there's a draftism to it. And, um, and so this is the way I'd say, I say, you're an idiot. Uh, you don't know ball and uh, we're not going to talk about it anymore. And I said, if you're going to label him that, then you have to label Joe Montana it too, right? Joe Montana is a product of the West coast offense and Bill Walsh. Uh, he was surrounded by extreme talent. He was a third round draft pick. So, no, you know, he's, he's, it wasn't him. It was Jerry Rice. It was John Taylor. It was Dwight Clark. It was Brent Jones. It was Roger Craig, who was the original uh, CMC. All of those things you can attribute to that. In fact, you probably, there's no way that Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel are anywhere near what Jerry Rice was. So it doesn't, it doesn't fit its purpose in terms of what you're trying to accomplish there. Uh, he's an elite quarterback. He has a chance to win a championship. If he doesn't get hurt last year in Philly, I don't know what that game looks like. It could look a lot different. Um, but he has a chance to win a championship, and he's gone back to, uh, to two consecutive NFC championships. I made a big deal about um, Patrick Mahomes going to six consecutive. You look at the landscape of the NFC – and what John Lynch and Kyle Shannon have been able to put together for as out as far out there as you think that getting to six championship games was such a, a huge achievement, which it is. Brock Purdy has every chance with the team that he's on and because of how great he's played in his first two years to continue that kind of effort and to put them themselves in that position. Well, before we and we're talking to Ryan Leaf before we get you picked for the game, we can kind of tie this all together. You know, you're your audience is Northern California right now. We, we run the Niners games. Obviously, you're talking to a lot of Niner fans. It's interesting, Ryan. We, we spent a good part of the interview talking about your story, about your comeback, uh, about others uh, with similar types of comebacks. And, and it's, it's do you ever step back at this whole Purdy thing? Because I haven't been able to put my finger on it. You've got Mr. Irrelevant, literally last player picked in the draft, who is as humble as they come, who seems to have zero ego whatsoever. He's a walking Disney movie. And I've never seen, whether it's media or fans, right? It almost seems like there's this group that are rooting more for his failure because it will then support their narrative. You're in the business at a much higher level. What the hell is going on with this thing around Brock? I think, that, you know, the 24-hour news cycle and everybody present, you know, presenting and, and contributing to content. It, you know, sometimes people are just trying to be, you know, argumentative, you know. And I and sometimes I, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're arguing with nobody. I mean, actually, who's making those conversations, those actually who's doing that most of the people i've talked to especially former players are, are very adamant around the idea that brock purdy is a, an elite quarterback and kyle shanahan puts him in good positions and he makes the throws uh and is a catalyst for this for this team so uh, i don't know you know i think that i think there is a lot to the concept of the fact that 
the people that are supposed to know what they're doing in terms of draft grades and everything like that. If he is the elite quarterback, he was a four-year starter at Iowa State, started as a freshman, went up against my alma mater, Washington State, and Gardner Minshew in that unbelievable Alamo Bowl. Uh, I knew how good he was then, and I watched him go through college in the Big 12. I mean, he was incredible. He, He was their leader. He was a great football player. And when Brian Greasy had an opportunity to, to walk into to John Lynch's office and, and Kyle Shanahan's and say, hey, you know, if you're going to you're looking for a quarterback late, this, I mean, I, I can't I can't tell you or, or speak to more about this young man from Iowa State. And uh, and that's exactly what they did. So I think it's a great story. I think it's the Kurt Warner story. And I love Kurt and I love what he was able to accomplish uh, and how how good he was at playing the quarterback position. And I think Brock Purdy is just you know, you're just born to play quarterback. And there was a moment uh, where he had that reflection in college where he said, okay, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at. And I want to get to this level. Uh, I think for the biggest misconception on my part was, is that I worked my tail off to get to the NFL. But when I got there, I thought, oh, my, you know, my head and shoulders talent is just going to carry me through. When you get to that level, everybody's talented you have to improve. You have to like scratch, scratch it out and go, what was I doing when I was in junior high to get where I needed to get right? My dad was waking me up at six in the morning to go throw uh, routes and shoot hoops before school started. Why, why wouldn't you do that? It's a start over. And Brock Purdy started over and he has gotten excessively better uh, over the last two years at his profession. So he is not where the, the scouts and the people had him graded two years ago. He's where we all see him. And if you were giving him a grade now, and if you were somebody who's a scout out there that does that for the draft grade aspect of things, regrade him, go watch the film from the last two years, watch the improvement and grade him what you would grade him going into the draft. And I guarantee you in the eyes of all those guys that make a ton of money projecting who is going to be a first rounder would come back and tell you he is a he is a, a first-round caliber quarterback in terms of what a grade would show out now. Ryan, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I know we're way over your time, so real quick, who's your pick? Chiefs, Niners, Niners, Chiefs, this Sunday, Las Vegas. <laughs> Having said all that. Right? <laughs> you, you, I hear you. You know, you can have a bad game. I mean, you can have yeah. bad games, and guess who makes you have bad games? Steve Spagnuolo. He yeah. made Lamar Jackson look ordinary, and Lamar was one of the best football players in all football this year. That team was. Uh, he's having a hell of a year. He's got guys that are dogs this year. And unfortunately, Hamunga being out early in the year, that has been a, such an impact. And I don't think it's been talked about enough on the side of the defense for, for the 49ers losing him. Um, he, he was the Kyle Hamilton on that defense. He could play up at the line of scrimmage. He could be back in the safety position, making plays that, that that's sizable, especially in the run game. And where they've been gutted is running. So I would expect Isaiah Pacheco to get 25-plus carries and Patrick Mahomes to be very – similar to what he was a week ago where he's throwing everything within five yards of the line of scrimmage, allowing Kelsey to, to, to do what he needs to and, and take shots when he needs to. Unfortunately, you know, the chiefs are just, they're just too good. They're just too good. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the chiefs in a tight one uh, in this one, unfortunately for you 49ers fans out there. I don't blame you. I'll be wrong, but I don't blame you at all. We've been saying all week, don't know how the Niners are the favorites, Ryan, uh, such an honor, such a pleasure to talk to you. You really, truly are an inspiration, and you're a hell of an analyst beyond all that. And if my uh, if my spies are correct, uh, you also have uh, reason to get more bottles of Excedrin around the house. I believe you uh, you welcomed in a little baby leaf a few days ago, and we want to say congratulations yeah. uh, to you and yours for that. 
I don't know what I was thinking. She's gonna be, <laughs> no, I'm going to be 65 when she graduates high school. Hey, baby. I suppose I had to I, fi- I had to figure out life on life's terms before I started bringing them into this you. world. And luckily, I got an amazing partner. She's just over here. We're we're uh, swapping on, on feeding duties here yeah. every two hours. So uh, living in a lot of diapers and spit up, but I, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. I don't know. Okay, she's still completing passes. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, good luck on not sleeping for a while. And thanks so much for Thank joining you. us. You bet, guys. Have a great day. All right. Take care. That's awesome. That's Ryan Leaf. I was looking forward to that very, very much. Uh, <laughs> Chris is, I'm, I'm going to wait for directions from Chris. We are all over the board here. We will take a break right now. No. When we come back, celebrity birthdays uh, and maybe a crosstalk. We'll see you next. All right. Well, we went a bit long with old Ryan Leaf, and uh, that means our final crosstalk, perhaps ever, with Styles and Watkins. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. On sure, I know. Right. Uh, they come out alive from Vegas. Yeah, That's right. I mean, they're yeah. going to Vegas. Today's getaway day for you guys. Mm-hmm. How, right. uh, what time are you flying out? Uh, 420. Yeah, 4, 420, 4.30. <laughs> Bro, say 4.30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're going to have a hotel named after them after they take They really Vegas. are. It's cool. going to be incredible. They really, really are. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Zon's in. That's what it'll be. That's the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, <laughs> well, we, there's actually a story about yes. uh, Vrabel. And how his furtness is is scaring the owners. Yeah, we well we deal with that all the time, guys. You know what? Tall, big people, we're people too. You know. You don't really make us feel comfortable coming into crosstalk with your guys' pretty much heads to the ceiling. What do you? You're not. I'm not six. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a footer. I I don't know what Chris wants. That's kind of surprising to me because I feel like you're. No. I feel like you're in our world. I've a always said 5, wow. 10, 5, 11. He wants I've to be with us. with us. Wow. Okay. Celebrity birthday is brought to you by uh, Crumble Cookies. <laughs> Happy birthday to Axel Rose. Uh, Axel is 60... 64. 2. 63. Uh, 68. We have a correct answer. Carmichael Day of 62. Happy wow. birthday to Rick Astley. <laughs> uh, 69. Oh. 67. Um... 71. 63. Not in the right decade. 58. Okay. Well, happy birthday show. to uh, Chris Humphreys. Oh. Could have been a Kardashian. Oh, 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 oh yeah. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he is uh, 41. 42. 38. 37. 39. Happy birthday to Tom Brokaw, America's newsman. Oh, Tom oh. Brokaw, NBC News, Courage. He is uh, 81. Ooh. 74. Oh, 78. 78. 81. Uh, 84. 84. And lastly, Kavon Looney of the Warriors. Uh, oh, I know this one. Oh, Kavon is 29. 30. One. No. He is 33 years no. old. He's 28. Yes, he is. Okay. Okay. That's the correct answer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, lots of football Table. talk. Getaway uh, day for you guys. That's right. Uh, we expect lots of updates, crosstalks, yes. and everything while you're down there. Yep. Got to have it. Have fun. Uh, Styles and Watkins next for Chris, for Jason, and everybody. Light the beam someday, would you? Bye-bye. No.